It's great to be with you here now on our sixth week and the final week of the series called Unstuck. Over the past six weeks, we've talked about living an intentional life, which is the key to a life that is unstuck. And we've talked to you about being intentional in your uh, relationship with God, and we talked about faith. We also talked about being intentional in your family. We talked about being intentional with your finances, everything God has blessed you with. Uh, last week, we talked about fitness, and today we're going to be talking about fun. Churches don't like to talk about fun. I'm kind of uncomfortable with it. Yet, the more and more I get to uh, meet people and even live my own life, we are seekers of fun. And we will seek for fun uh, wherever we can find it. And some of us find it in entertainment. Some of us find it in uh, relationships. Some of us find it in escapes or vacations. Some of us find us in, in whatever we want to look. It's amazing how much we'll fight to have fun. And so I think we need to talk about it and maybe be intentional with it and think about what are we doing when we're, think, when we're talking about fun. To get kind of prime the pump, I asked you to hashtag uh, on Twitter. I asked you to think about, I laughed so hard I cried when, and you sh- kind of shared your stories. We had numerous really long ones. So I, I cho- chose some of the shorter ones. First one was this. I laughed so hard I cried when a waiter mistakenly thought my son and I made a cute couple. <laughs> my son's face went white. I laughed so hard I cried when my husband picked up this little bookshelf on the side of the road. He turned across the street and the bookshelf collapsed into a heap of broken boards, which is probably why it was on the side of the road. Here's a good one from here. It said, I laughed so hard I cried when coming home from FBC one time. We asked the kids what they had learned at church. Jesus healed a cheetah, they said. A cheetah, we asked. Yes, he changed its spots, was the response. Oh, you mean leper. Yeah, leopard. (laughs) So now she can't sing the hymn of that that line of the hymn without smiling. He can change the leper's spot and melt a heart of stone. You know, as I think about uh, fun, I wanted to just ask you a question. What is your view of fun? Do you think God wants you to have fun in this life? And I think when I've ever asked that question, I kind of answer it with, well, do you want your own children to have fun? And not just fun at the sake, for the sake of everything and sacrifice everything to have fun, but do you want your children to live in, uh, pleasure, with pleasure? Do you want them to enjoy the life that they have? I think the answer is yes. And if us, and how much more our Heavenly Father, would He like for us to take pleasure in Him, to delight in Him, to enjoy the life he's given us. And yet, certainly, it's not the only thing that God is interested in when we come to the topic of fun. We can hold attitudes that prevent us from having fun. First one is this. I've known this in the church. God's mission can't be fun. We hear stories uh, and we hear pictures, even in the scriptures, of the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. We hear eternal things like heaven and hell. Those are serious matters. We don't take them lightly. Well, we also look at the pictures we have, pictures that people have created of Jesus and the disciples. We don't see too much smiling going on. And then the early church fathers, no one seems to smile. And so we think no one had any fun. No one had any pleasure. And this picture of doom and gloom and disappointment, we have to ask ourselves the questions, where's the joy of the Lord? You see, that was the hallmark of a faith in Christ. Joy, pleasure, pleasure delight in God and his work. 
The whole New Testament church were marked by that. Can you have fun in God's mission? Answer, absolutely. I see people having fun all the time serving the Lord. We'll talk about that later, but let's talk about the next thing. When we look around us, some of us see suffering. Well, we all see suffering, and some of us are actually suffering in our own lives. Brokenness, pain, and suffering are not fun. And so we, we kind of create in our minds, that's not fun. There shouldn't be any purpose in that. We run from those unfun things to seek things that are fun. We tend to resent even that desire within us for fun. We either deny it or we ignore it. And without fun in our lives, we tend to blame God. We tend to blame others. I can't tell you how many marriage counseling sessions I've had where someone would say, well, I just believe God wants me to be happy and I'm not happy with her or with him or with them. And so we look for an escape when we don't get our way. And so therefore, fun can't be the goal of everything we do. But can it be the result? Could it be the result of of a life that's centered and ordered and sourced in Christ? And the answer is absolutely. That's where we get the joy of the Lord. And we're called into that. When we're suffering, though, we're bothered by people around us having fun. I don't enjoy it when someone tells me other vacation when I'm stuck here in February. You know, I, we don't enjoy those stories. Why is it? Why can't we have joy for those who are experiencing joy? Suffering tends to rob, rob us of that. Pleasure also has a bad re- reputation. And so we fear fun. We fear, uh, you know, we see around us a world who is seeking all those synthetic ways of having fun, whether it's alcohol abuse, whether it's uh, drug abuse, whether it's um, just sexual immorality. And these are all counterfeits to true enjoyment. In our culture, I think if you could just make a motto for for the Christian church in America is we'd far, we far we want to be far more happy than we are holy in Christ. And if I follow Jesus, we fear that I'll have to give up fun and pleasure in my life. And yet obsession with fun at the expense of following Christ gives destruction and it's frustrating in our walk. So we've got to come to a passage like this, a passage in Ecclesiastes. I invite you to kind of turn there. It's going to be our anchor verse for this discussion. In Ecclesiastes 2, now Ecclesiastes was written by Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived Jesus was wiser, but, the, you know, just the only human man that ever lived. And he had everything you could imagine. He had wealth. He had women, thousand wives. I mean, look out. He had any, anything he wanted. And yet we get this depressing book called Ecclesiastes. It's at the end of his life. And he asked the question, what's the purpose? All is meaningless. All is meaningless. I had this. I experienced this. I had all the pleasures that, I mean, unbarred pleasures in my life. And I end up depressed. It's kind of an indictment on Hollywood and, and anyone who has wealth in this world. We realize the things money can't buy. But here's what he says. There is nothing better for a person that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also, I saw, is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? That's a rhetorical question, by the way. In other words, he's saying, apart from God, I don't have enjoyment. So what he's calling us into 
is to make God our greatest delight. Make him our greatest pleasure. Have him be the one of our desires that we desire the most. And that God's sourced life is someone that we're, is something that we're to pursue. I love what John Piper says when he talks about this topic. He says uh, that, that it's not that we don't have or we shouldn't have desire in this world, but that we have replaced the, the object of our desires to be all these counterfeits when God is right there offering us a life that's sourced and centered in him. So what I want to do is I kind of want to tell you that you can't ignore, you shouldn't ignore fun. You can't afford to ignore it. Here's why God has put pleasure in our lives. Number one, fun or enjoyment foreshadows eternity with Christ. Can I just tell you something? God gives us things in this world to give us an appetite for the next. And I love what it says for those who seek after Christ or seek after God in in Psalm 36 verses 8 through 9. It says, they feast on the abundance of your house and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we have light. I love that. It's sourced and centered in God. And that life, you're called into a relationship, not of being enemies, not of being adversaries, but of being in the family of God. Your heavenly father invites you to enjoy him now because heaven's not going to be a bore later. Uh, apart from what you've seen, you may have seen pictures of, of us around in terry cloth robes and harps and on clouds. That's not heaven. Heaven is not going to be a bore. It's going to be an unbelievable, great, delightful place for us to explore, to discover, to learn, to grow, to take adventures with God. For eternity. I'm going to come back to this point when we talk about adventure. Because that's key value in pleasure. But fun also connects and deepens relationships. Do you know the worst family to grow up in? It's the family of high authority, low love. Some of the worst tyrants in all of history grew up in a high authority, low love. Just do this, do this, do this. Why? Because I said so. You know, and it's there's no pleasure. There's no joy. Kids rebel against high authority, low love. That's why Paul kind of uh, instructs us in Colossians 3, 21. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And if you follow that word discouraged, it attaches to the concept of faith. Lest they be discouraged in their faith. You show them a picture of their heavenly father by the way you raise your children. It's real easy. That, it's real easy to think, what is my heavenly father? Well, I have, I don't know, I struggle. I had a really bad dad and really bad parents. I just am struggling to see that there's actual, actually a heavenly father who loves me. We craft that picture. But fun connects and deepens relationships. I always try to seek for some level of fun with my family. So that they like being around me. That's why I hear from so many guys. Boy, when I was going through adolescence, my dad and I didn't get along. We didn't agree. But one thing we did, we went to our Royals games together. And God bless the Royals as they continue to have celebration moments like that. 
But then there's also, boy, I wish, you know, I didn't agree on anything, but when, when I got to go hunting or when I got to go fishing with my dad, I remember going fishing with my dad. Some of the great moments of fun with him. We would go northern pike fishing in northern Wisconsin, and we would go in this little rowboat, and he would row, and as he would row, he would sing these odd songs using different derivations of my name. If I had a name like Joe, I know. You know, and it was like, Dad, stop it. I mean, <laughs> loons will hear what you're doing, you know. <laughs> but it was just something. I have some of the greatest memories with my dad having fun. Your kids, your family loves it when you have fun. If it's all authority and no enjoyment, look out. Kids want out of those families. Fun connects and deepens relationships. Don't ignore it. Secondly, fun brings brings perspective to all of life. Uh, Moses chose to make God his greatest treasure. And that changed the way he lived his life. In Hebrews 11.25, it says, Moses choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. I love that. That, That's really what fun can be described as fleeting. It's really hard to sustain fun. Therefore, if it's our goal in the day, it's always going to be switching. There's no contentment with it. It's a byproduct. It can't be the object of everything we do. Moses uh, grew up in Egyptian culture. They made a God for every one of their pleasures, whatever one they wanted to elevate, whether it was sex, whether it was eating, whether it was food, anything like that. They made a God for it and they worshiped it. Moses said, no, I won't. That's fleeting. That's a pleasure. I won't. I'll, I'll restrict from my life so that I could enjoy the one and true God with people. And he suffered for it. He did. He did. Because God was his greatest treasure. The, the lack of fun then also results in bitterness. Case in point, the life of Job. Here Job is, it begins in the beginning, in the start of the book. He's a wealthy man. He has this wonderful family. Uh, he has, uh, he's affluent. He's influential in the world at that time. And in just a short chapter, he loses everything. And he's sitting in the ashes of the ruins of his life. His wife's the only one in his family that's left. And what does she say? Curse God and die. Thank you. You know, it's kind of one of those statements. But he goes, you're speaking like a foolish woman. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive disaster? What does that say to us? Fun seekers in the world today. It says, boy, when times are good, enjoy them. Thank God. Take pleasure in them. Take, thank him and celebrate them. But when times are bad, we've got to realize those are things that are from God that we've got to grow in. It's not always going to be fun, but you can make your treasure God through every situation. So let me just summarize. Fun, enjoyment, pleasure, they cannot be the beginning goal. But they can be the byproduct of a life centered on Jesus Christ. It's what Jesus said to us in Matthew 6, 21. He said, where your treasure is, you're there, is your heart also. Your pleasure follows your treasure. Fun is rarely sustainable in this life. So make God your treasurer. I want to kind of give a, a, a vision for fun. If you are seeking it, uh, I want to kind of give you a vision for it and to be intentional with it. And this all assumes now that 
God is. What happens now if you do make God your greatest treasure? If you take your greatest delight in him? Well, I want to guide you with three key values. One is enjoyment. What does that look like? Two is adventure. And number three is celebration. As I think about planning fun, which I have to be honest with you, in my life, I would process ministry all day long. Uh, we have enough issues going on in our church all the time. I could always worry about something. I could always worry about how things are going. I have to, I have to pause and take pleasure in God. I have to be intentional about that or I'll always be thinking we aren't where we're supposed to be. Secondly, I have to take, I have to take a plan and make a plan for having fun with others around me. I have to slow down, invite, uh, enjoying life with others. And that first one is enjoyment. Again, we come back to that verse in Ecclesiastes chapter two, beginning with verse 24 and 25. It says there's nothing better for a person that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. Almost contrasting terms there. Finding enjoyment in the grind of life. God's inviting us, even in the grind of life, to fight for a delight in him. When we make our highest enjoyment taking pleasure in Jesus Christ, then guess what happens? Fun doesn't have to, fun's not our object, but it's the result, not the requirement of following Christ. What's robbing you of enjoyment in Christ amidst your realities? It could be stress. It could be hurry. It could be conflict. It could be your health. It could be depression. It could be hurt. You could be a wound in your life, a loss in your life. It could be financial pressures or school pressures. But over and over throughout the scriptures, amidst our junk and our garbage and our stress and our pain and our suffering, we have a God who says, come to me, come to me. I'm your refuge. I'm your ever present help in time of trouble. I've found that when Christ is my pleasure, I can escape those things and I can run to him and I can seek him and I can pray to him and I can learn from his word and I can follow him. And it's just something. It just gives me a perspective that in the midst of pain and suffering, I can enjoy God and who he is. It also gives me hope that someday this is not the end of the story. The end of the story is actually the beginning of a greater story in eternity with Christ, without pain, without suffering, true pleasure in a relationship with God. But can I also ask you another question? There's also things we can enjoy in this world that God has given you an interest in. Maybe it's skiing or golfing or running or fitness or biking or hobbies or arts or dance. Yes, I said dance in church. Reading, movies, games, hiking or camping. And yes, I said camping, a thing I really don't like to do, but many of you do. What are you doing? That's enjoyable. I believe that God has given us interests to to enjoy him with and to to see the diversity of the gifts and abilities and and uh, capacities that you have use them go and use them for his glory it's like chariots of fire when i run i feel god's pleasure you know i mean it's that picture when you're doing that you feel the enjoyment and the pleasure of god 
Certainly we could take those things and take the glory for it, but ultimately we're here to make God greater. We're not to make ourselves greater. So when, but God has given us those capacities to use it for His glory. I believe God has crafted each one of you with gifts and abilities that, that, that you can serve Him with, that when you use them, you find enjoyment. I find enjoyment preaching. You may never find uh, employment or enjoyment in preaching. (laughs) I worked with it, okay? Sometimes my mouth gets ahead of my brain. But you may never find that enjoyment in doing that. But there are some things that you enjoy that I could never see myself doing. Take enjoyment. God has given you those gifts and said, hey, use them to their fullest. Exercise them. Show the whole picture of the... Of my creativity, of my character when you use them. And so that we, when we get together, we can enjoy the gifts God has given to us. Do you plan enjoyment in your life? I know we're all seeking it. And we're all looking for it. And with guidance on this, we'll look at it and experience it without Christ. Why not have him a part of the picture? He's sourcing and centering your life. Secondly, Adventure. I love what Psalm 92 verse 4 and 5 says is for you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work at the works of your hands. I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord? Your thoughts are very deep. Where do you get a picture of God? Where where do you look to? to you know, what adventures do you take? See, adventures is God are, is God's calling us into experience life with him. We're all on an adventure with Christ. That's what following Christ looks like. There's something about our world that's awesome. That's not completely ruined by the fall. And when you go out on a hike or when you climb a mountain or you go on a trail or you take a walk, even in your neighborhood, it's amazing how we can see the fingerprints of God. Now, the works of God display display the reality and the character of who he is. And many are taking pleasure in creation apart from the creator. And that can quickly move us to idolatry. But how glorious, really, how awesome are the fingerprints of God in his creation. As his followers were called to steward his creation, not to worship it, but to restore it and to preserve the beauty in it that God has given us. And when you take an adventure, you're looking at what God has done, and you're giving him the glory. Words like exploration, discovery, seeking, and finding. Eternity will look like these words. So when we get out and enjoy creation, and we celebrate the creator, these adventures move us out of ourselves, out of our grind, out of our consistent processing, even out of our burdens to enjoy and take an adventure. Can I tell you one thing that your family loves? is take, They like to take adventures with you. I've taken adventures with my parents. I take my kids. Whether we go on a vacation. It may be snorkeling. It may be biking. It may hike up a mountain. And we're all winded when we get to the top. But we go, wow, this is awesome. Isn't God great? When your kids, when you're experiencing God... In creation, it's a powerful, powerful thing. You take great pleasure in that. God invites you to do that. Do that. 
My wife planned an adventure for me and my oldest two boys. I was 50 this year on April 15th, and she said, hey, I got an adventure for you. And I went, great. She goes, skydiving. And I went, where did you think I like skydiving? (laughs) And so she said, "Uh, well, I thought you said that was on your bucket list. Yeah, the kick the bucket list. And so she had already paid for it. She saved up for months to provide the experience for us. And on April 16th, I was going to climb, not climb, but get into an airplane and jump out of a perfectly good airplane. And uh, April 16th came and it was bad weather, so we couldn't go. Then another time we set it up and it was windy and they didn't want us blown into Oklahoma. So they decided not to do it then. And then it was cloudy. Well, the perfect day happened when we were off and everything happened in June. And so I went up with my two boys and we jumped out of an airplane. I checked. Now, before I went, before I went, I checked with my life insurance policy and it was okay. And so I jump out and you're going to 10,000 feet and you've got an altimeter. And I had a guy named Bill, you know, he was, he was just along for the ride. And, and you're screaming and I'm screaming like a girl. I'm going 120 miles an hour and it's my nostrils are flaring because the wind is coming up. I'm checking my altimeter. I better pull this at the right time. And I finally pulled it around 5,500 feet. And there it goes. You'll see that. By the way, Bill wasn't around for the ride, okay? He, he had taken 6,000 jumps. So it's pretty good odds that I was going to make it to the ground without dying. And just had an awesome experience as we glided down to the earth. And actually, right there's the landing. You can see as I'm pulling down. I look like a goof, don't I? Um, I landed and I went, Woo, it's good to be back on earth. Now, do I ever want to do that again? No. But it was an adventure. It increased my prayer life, everyone. The night before, the night before, I was saying, man, I may have just preached my last message last weekend. What did I say? I can't remember. what I said, my congregation always remembers what I said. So, and I started thinking, do I have enough life insurance? And all these kinds of thoughts came over. Now, I am not promoting skydiving. I know some of you, since I brought it up, oh, Pastor Joe, I'm not all about skydiving. It was one time that I did that. But there's something about an adventure that brings in memories, that brings in joy. It may not be skydiving. It may not cost a penny for you to go and have an adventure. We have loads of places for you to take uh, adventures. I even knew of a family who did geocaching. If you know about that, Google that word. Those are great adventures you can take with young kids and geocache and find this hidden treasure and, and it's free as long as you don't take what's inside the geocache. But it's all over this country are things that, that people are inviting others into adventure. Take adventures. Can serving the Lord be an adventure? Every day. Every day. Some of you have gone on mission. And you've gone and or are preparing for a, a mission trip over Thanksgiving. Or you've gone and you've dug a well for people who didn't have fresh water. Or you've, you've gone other places. I met a guy who spent 42 years in the tidal swamps of, of Indonesia named Chuck Preston. And every day was an adventure for him. It's the attitude of adventure that we bring in to play, uh, taking our pleasure in God and walking daily with him. And then there's celebration. 
Look at Psalm 35, verse 27 and 28. Look at this and look for the words. Let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad and say evermore, great is the Lord who delights in the welfare of his servant. Then my tongue shall tell of your righteousness and of your praise all day long. God invites us to celebrate him, to be people of joy, not plastic joy where you always have a smile, you know, but people who are taking our pleasure, our delight in him. And he takes delight in us. One of the, my theology affected my joy when I used to think that you got in, you know, You got in by your good works or you stayed in by your good works or God is disappointed with you today or or God's not happy. You did that. You got to be good. I'm never joyful on my best day. I'm self-righteous on my worst day. I feel like I'm scum. Grace comes into our lives and says it's nothing you've done. I can't earn or deserve salvation. That's why Jesus had to come and live a life I couldn't live. He came and he died a a death to pay a price I couldn't pay. And he rose again on the third day to defeat the power of sin and death. That's my celebration. It's Jesus. I take my greatest pleasure and delight in him. And you're called to celebrate too. The whole Jewish calendar was built around feasts and festivals of celebration of the character of God and the work of God. It was like programmed into the year. We will celebrate this. Why? Because we don't celebrate enough. And I'll be honest, even in our church, we don't celebrate enough. We tend to accomplish one goal and go on to the next. And we don't pause and praise God for his, his faithfulness to us. His delight in us. Every month we do baptisms and we celebrate the work of Jesus in each of our lives. Those of you who are going to get baptized this morning, we stand up and we applaud because we can do that. And we do that when we take delight in a K-State touchdown or God forbid a KU touchdown. All those things. Or a, or a home run in the seventh inning or a base hit. We get excited if we celebrate those things we take our treasure we, and, and take pleasure in. And we take pleasure in Christ in a life. Do you pause in your families? Do you pause in your relationships to celebrate the goodness of God? Celebrations are usually filled with joy and, and people remember them. They have love in them and they promote belonging. So what are you celebrating? What are you taking delight with your family or with your friends? Some things cost money. Most things should not. It's a word. It's a conversation of celebration. Just like every week throughout this series, we've called you on each one of these topics to identify your area of growth, to commit to a two-month, not a 12-month plan, a two-month because you can see the end end zone of a two-month plan and invite people into your plan. When you choose an area of growth, you're just saying, I'm going to be intentional. I need to grow in this area. When you develop that two-month goal, you're making a plan. You're scheduling it in your life with your priorities. And when you invite people into your plan, you're you're hoping to deepen relationships throughout this process. Remember, fun is the result, not the requirement of you following God. These past several weeks, we've looked at this concept of being intentional with our faith, being intentional with our families, our finances, our fitness last week, and now fun this week. 
if you were open to it, you responded with developing a two-month plan to, that, that, uh, that, that is intentional with each one of these areas. I don't want to lift up my life, but I want to tell you a simple concept uh, in ministry with me. And that is, I would never call you into anything that I'm not willing to do. And our leadership uh, has that philosophy, is that if we're going to call our congregation into this, we need to be doing this ourselves. Because it's easier to say something, right, than it is to actively do it. And so I did this in each one of these areas. For my faith, I really was intentional over the past several weeks, and will be until two months, of of spending extended time in prayer of deepening my relationship. Because I've kind of hid behind the, I'm always praying. You know, you can do that. So when someone would say, Joe, I need you to pray for me. Okay, I'll pray for you now. But you know what that leads to? It leads to a life of, God, what can you do for me today? It leads to a life of always asking things from God and never stepping back and celebrating God, never trusting uh, God in your own life, listening to what God might be saying to you, seeking him, quietness before him and so my goodness has my walk with christ grown because i've taken extended time that incredible valuable time in my life that i could be doing a hundred other things that that i'm too busy not to pray and i give god time in that in my family i decided just over the, the each week i would write a note of blessing or encouragement to each family member it doesn't take long for me to write four notes uh, of blessing, of affirmation, of a verse that I want us to think about as a family. And my goodness, have I been able to be a blessing and not a burden to my family. In the area of finances, just with the reality of two boys in college and with uh, the needs of our church family as we make room for more people with our expansion, I made a two-month goal that I would make no unnecessary expenditures over these next two months. And as you can see, I am not wearing an Apple watch. It's a matter of prayer for me. Because <laughs> I wanted to commit my life to the things that are priceless, the things money can't buy. And um, I've always struggled growing up in a wealthy family with materialism and defining life by what I have. And it's been freeing. It's been freeing for me to restrain those pleasures to find a greater pleasure in the things money can't buy. In the area of fitness, I committed to sustainable activity each day. And for me, that's nine minutes. For you, it may be two hours, and God bless you. But I was doing zero minutes a day, and nine is better than zero. I hope someday to be just like you. (laughs) But I'm not. And I needed something that I could plan that was sustainable, that I could do every day. And you know what? I'm getting a greater appetite for more. In the area of fun, I just realized my wife and I haven't gone on a intentional date night in some, some time. So over these next two months, I'm going to be doing regular date nights with her. I just found, and I, I kind of thought, and just in the back of my mind, we've been married 24 years. The rules don't apply to us anymore. We'll just be okay. But in reality, the rules do apply to me and to you. We need FaceTime with our spouses in relationships. Relationships take time and they take attention. And to, to look at your wife and talk and have fun without having a screen in either one of your faces is a good thing. 
And I hope that God will bless that. Some of us resisted this whole process. But most of us, most of you, were open to it. Because you realize you have nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. Everything to gain when you're a little bit more intentional with your life. I know we focused on doing these things with a two-month plan. But you know what? We always need the gospel. And the gospel is not about doing things. It's entrusting someone who's already done it for you. But as we depend on the gospel, we also want to seek after and we want to follow Jesus, which means we're intentional. I found that small groups who have gone through this are growing closer, wider, wiser, deeper together. And I want to thank you. I want to thank you as a congregation who's open to wisdom and instruction in these areas. We're all works of process in process. But you know what? God is faithful. And as we're available to him in these three areas, he's going to work and he's going to grow us. He's going to deepen us. Next week, we're going to be talking about our hearts. Over the next six weeks, we're going to be looking at the two Old Testament books of Ezra and Nehemiah. And the first three weeks, we're going to be looking at what does it look like to rebuild your heart around Christ? In the second two weeks or three weeks, we're going to be looking at what does it look to rebuild your heart for the city God has placed us? Those two things are at the heart of God, your heart and everyone around you. And I hope you'll make time and be intentional with your schedule to be here as a church family so that we can continue to grow together. Thanks for being a part of this series. And God bless you as you continue to follow him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each person you brought here today. Thank you for uh, the fun and enjoyment you've given us in life. But I, I pray, Lord, we would never substitute fun for following you. And Lord, help us never to believe the myth that it's no fun following you. I I pray that you would take away all those counterfeits and help us to clearly see what true pleasure and delight is with you. And so we dedicate our hearts to you. May we find our greatest treasure in you to take our greatest pleasure with you. For it's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.